For Arizona Public Media, I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the University of Arizona's Space Institute, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today is Gertina Bessler, an Associate Professor of Astronomy in the University of Arizona's Stewart Observatory. Welcome, Gertina. Happy to be here. Gertina, you describe yourself as a theoretical astrophysicist. Can you explain what that means? Yeah, so um, being a theorist means that essentially we create our own data sets. So we use computers to create simulations of our Milky Way galaxy and other galaxies that surround it and even dark matter itself. When you're doing these computer programs, do you and your group write your software or are there pieces of software that you can use to do what you want to do? So astronomy really is a community effort. And also in terms of theory, it is a community effort. There are a number of people making codes that are public and available to the community. So we use a public code called Gadget, and then we create all of our own simulations using that code and analysis script is what we create separately. But the Gadget code is public and people can use it. What kind of problems have you been focusing on? One of the biggest problems facing the field of physics and astronomy is what is dark matter? So we think that there is this unseen mass that is inside of galaxies surrounding them. And we can observe this only indirectly. So through the motions of stars, their motions are dictated by gravity. And if they're moving this fast, there has to be more material around causes them to move that fast. So we think there's more material there than we can see. What we're trying to do is understand how we can model this dark matter distribution in our own Milky Way. And so we're clocking the speed of those stars, the exact direction of motion that they're moving with respect to the Earth. So we're hoping to infer the distribution of dark matter based on modeling the motions of stars moving around our Milky Way. And we're trying to make sure that we're creating very accurate models of that dark matter distribution based on all the information available to us. What are some of the ideas about what dark matter might be? We don't know what it is, but the leading theory is that it is a particle. And if that's true, then it'll expand our knowledge of the standard model of particle physics. So it's really exciting in that capacity. And if it's not a particle, that means that we have to modify the way that we compute gravity, which is also exciting. So, you know, this overall territory is really an interesting space to be working in right now. We know for sure that this particle does not, you know, radiate strongly or interact with light in a particular way because we don't see it in emission or an absorption of light. So all we know is that this particle does interact by gravity, which means it has some sort of mass. So there are some different theories for how massive the particle is. There also may be some really weak interactions that could maybe collide with other dark matter particles. Um, and those can change the distribution of dark matter. Those types of ideas can change the distribution of dark matter in our models. So how did you get started working on dark matter in the Magellanic Clouds? I was in graduate school at Harvard, and at the time, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I was working in a team that was focusing on galaxy evolution. At the same time, there was another graduate student, Nitya Kalivailil, who'd made this really awesome measurement with the Hubble Space Telescope, and she had actually measured how fast the Large Magellanic Cloud was moving. So she measured that three-dimensional velocity vector by making that very difficult measurement of proper motion using the Hubble Space Telescope. So this was like a hot off the presses result. It hadn't even been published yet, but because we were graduate students at the same institution, we started to work together. And I created models to show what that speed that she computed meant for the past history of the Large Magellanic Cloud. And what was really cool is that the picture was different than what other people had done. 
So it was really sort of random. I, I you know, started to work with her, took her velocity measurement, did a, a model of the Milky Way, and then you know, did a, a theoretical calculation to determine where the Large Magellanic Cloud had come from. And everyone had believed before that the Large Magellanic Cloud had made multiple orbits around the Milky Way. But the new measurements and or the models that I had adopted for the Milky Way showed a very different picture. It looked instead that the Large Magellanic Cloud had come in very recently, only within the past 1 billion years into our uh, neighborhood. And that really just set everything else in motion. Um, there were a lot of other implications from there to study. And then that just dictated what I would do with my, the rest of my PhD and the work that I've done since then. Fascinating stuff. Uh, thanks for talking with us, Gertina. This has been great. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is Tim Swindle, and this has been Arizona Science. Our guest today has been Gertina Besla, a theoretical astrophysicist at the University of Arizona. You can also listen to this and other Arizona science segments by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.